Welcome to The View from the North Curve, a podcast covering all things North Curve Celtic. I'm your host, Kev. I'm joined, as usual, by Tony and by Connor in the background, sorting out all the technical stuff. Uh, this time around, I'm pleased to welcome on three guests, Ern, Orla and Michaela. They're on for this episode to speak with myself and with Tony about their campaign group on the ball, which was set up with the aim to get free sanitary products, firstly in Selig Park, as well as football grounds up and down the country. So what we'll do, as we usually do, is jump into a wee quick break, which will be two ticks for all you guys, but let's us get our stuff already, and we'll be back with you just shortly. Cheers. Big thanks to Orla, Ern and Michaela for coming along to speak with us. How you been? All good? Hope Tony, it's been a while, mate. I know, Paul. We've obviously a lot of stuff going on. Um, we've not been with you for a while, but we have the girls on to have got actually a wee announcement to make, sort of before we, maybe best before we get started. Michaela, would you... Breaking news to everybody. I will indeed. Um, so we've got a wee bit of news that we're announcing the end of On The Ball. So quite a sad moment, but quite timely as well. So it's good to be on the podcast just now and we can obviously do a bit of reminiscing and talk about the last couple of years. But yeah, we've decided that's kind of ends it On The Ball and we're going to be kind of stopping up activities no longer kind of reaching out and working with fans anymore, so it is the end. Sad times. No, that's brilliant. That's what he's achieved has been uh, absolutely remarkable. It's sort of a grassroots fan movement to achieve what he's have done with not just Celic, but up and down the country and all the other clubs and stuff. That's fair play. He's deserved all the, the credit. But, um, have you... Stoke for any particular reason, or is it just kind of end of year and go to pastures new? No, basically, um, obviously, we've not really been active for the past year, just with um, football grounds obviously being shut and stuff. So, as long as fans are in grounds, there's not really a job for us to be doing because we were like a fan led organization, and over the past year, there's been loads of changes and the period products bill get passed and we just kind of feel like our job's been done in a way because we've got 113 clubs on board now and we think that there's enough information out there now and the sort of landscape has changed that much. People are talking about periods a lot more now and if fans want their clubs on board, there's now 113 clubs they can look to for an example and how to do it. So we kind of feel like we had a good, well, it was 2018 we started, so we had a good few years at it now and we think... It's just kind of came a bit of a natural end and it almost kind of felt weirder for us to think about starting things back up again when things go back to normal than it did to think about is just drawing a line completely. So we think it's just kind of 
ran its wee course now, we've done all we can, so we thought we'd just draw a line now and end it in a, a high. It has. The, the stuff that Steve's saying, the stuff that he's done, it's probably been the f- a f- first time for me you see a grassroots project that's it was something so simple, but something that nobody, well, from a male perspective, nobody had really thought about. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be in our conscious at all, anything like that. And that's people who's got wives, partners, daughters who go to the game, and it would never have crossed my mind at all until three last you spoke about it and you're actually sitting going fuck's sake that is it's something that's so obvious but it's no being done so when the Jews kind of get together and go you know what this is I know there was there was there wasn't too much oh, the kind of political things that I've kind of been involved with I've never really been too much talk of period poverty but I don't know, maybe that's just in the kind of male circles I've found then when the Jews decide that it's the kind of thing you should have been getting yourselves involved in or and try to take it for you. So I think probably one of the first things was obviously like through the kind of FAC campaign. So that's something that the three of us individually were all obviously keeping tabs on or supporting or getting involved with it at that time. Um, and we obviously loosely knew each other, but we weren't actually like pals or anything like before um, we started doing On The Boss. So um it was really through all the kind of fact stuff. So going through to Parliament, and that was the, the first day that really kicked this all off. Um, and Erin, obviously you were a bit closer, I would say, towards the, it, it, this was your idea in the beginning. Off the back, of obviously, different work that you had seen, and then we had different influences. But I think in terms of actual like, period poverty and that aspect and the work that was already going on, Erin, you had seen a lot of that. I was... Um... I was still at uni at the time and I was doing politics, so I was kind of aware that year I was doing Scottish politics and um, I was kind of aware of this bill that was going through like its very first stages. I think it was only just like the drafts that were getting made at this point of Monica Lennon's bill, which is now legislation. And this was kind of the first that I'd heard as well about period poverty and like free period products and stuff like that. And it was kind of in the back of my head and as that was progressing online and stuff like that, I was seeing people were doing similar stuff for like um, gig venues and stuff. And then um, I was just at a fixture, like a home fixture one night, and like just like a pure winter night, like midweek in January or something. And I was in the toilets and I was just kind of, I don't know what kind of happened. A penny just kind of dropped and I was like floating around at what was available. And it's just these like pure old machines that are never stopped, they're a fortune. Um, maybe Celtic could have a part to play here and sort of lead the way on this given like the club's ethos and stuff so kind of planted it in the back of my mind and I was like I really don't think folk will go for that because like bringing something like that into a pure historically masculine environment isn't it just it just isn't going to fly and then literally a few months later we were in the pub after the final debate at parliament for um, the repeal of the football act and just like obviously had a few beers and just kind of mentioned it to the two lassies despite even just meeting them that day and seeing now like now that I know you I sort of think they must have thought I was fucking bonkers like <laughs> bringing that up <laughs> like but um we ended up saying that it sounds like a good idea and then a few days later kind of made like a wee group chat to talk about it and then it all just kind of spiralled to there really <laughs> it's just pretty as you said I mean, that wasn't that long ago. Matt, you've turned three years, 2018, March. 
And you just said there 113 clubs. Mm-hmm. Some achievement. Um, I'd kind of I'd done a wee bit. I was on the website earlier on, just looking through some of the clubs and stuff, and like the Brazilian mob and uh, LA Galaxy and stuff like that. Just mad how how wide and far it's went. It is. It's it's nuts to think actually. Like back to some of the clubs. Like one minute you're dealing with like kind of smaller club so you're in talking to like Stevie at St Rocks and the next minute you're on like a conference call with like the marketing people at LA Galaxy mm-hmm. like it's just <laughs> the difference between like dealing with some of the clubs and all that was, Betty was Stevie just was mad to be fair to be fair it was no that it was it, it, it's mad as well. <laughs> I, we were literally in the shower room at St Rocks just like talking to Stevie (laughs) obviously doing this not Sharon (laughs) (laughs) just confirming that point see just even just in the sort of early days I'd seen it wasn't actually on the ball when you first started obviously dealing with Celtic and stuff Um, what was that like like, sort of first getting in touch with whoever I mean we know what it's like to deal with them at times or (laughs) About a headache, but do you know? I it was quite funny actually because obviously we were using our own like Twitter accounts and our own Facebooks, and I think like it got to a point where that was a bit kind of odd as well because you were constantly like dealing with all the notifications or if people were starting to kind of like slag it and whatever you were getting picking all that up like personally a, a bit as well at that time, but. I, it was a bit mad actually thinking back to obviously we just decided to start pushing stuff out through our own accounts but um, we had obviously been meeting and kind of discussing a lot of the stuff in, in the background and I think it, it definitely was much easier once we got on the boss set up and we had like a, an account, we had a, the Instagram account, just different ways of reaching people, it, it definitely like made it much easier because we were getting like messages in for different people but going to like individual ones and then we were trying to obviously like organize that and um respond to people and pick up messages so it was a bit hectic I think looking back um I that was a bit I, I suppose maybe we just didn't expect that it would blow up as much as it did like we started obviously the petition and that went out and again that was just I think in your name Erin it was just all dead individually it was never through an account so it, it was quite hard to kind of keep that organised and pick it all up and did you did you find that like so, as you're saying there the social media and stuff play a, a huge part in that I take it the likes of the Twitter and, and the petitions and pushing it through these sort of channels huge the, the entire campaign really on reflection was a social media campaign when you think about it because Aside from us meeting maybe every few weeks, it got to a point when it was really busy, we were meeting maybe every week, every two weeks. Um, but aside from that, the entire thing was online. It wasn't just like putting out sort of calls for clubs online, like further down the line when it was on the ball. And then in the first instance, when it was just Celtic sharing the petition and stuff like that. Um, and then a lot of it was over email and stuff. So really under this kind of circumstance that we're all in now, like us all sitting here the night on Zoom and, they can just do it all for the house. We were doing this entire thing for the house, really. Um, so social media is sort of one of the examples of how it can actually be used for good and for change because it was really effective and fans would get in touch with us through the social media to ask for our support and like approaching their club and um, we'd get lost sorts of inquiries through the Twitter especially. So I that was a massive tool for us. And I don't even think 
the likes of the petition. I mean, that was their very first step in the campaign. And without that, we wouldn't really had a mandate to go to Celtic in the first place to talk about it. So, I it's just social media was the entire backbone of it, I think. He's he talking about the social media kind of thing. Obviously, he's mentioned that that was a, a predominantly male environment. But with Celtic, it's always, I don't know if it's just me, but do you think it could have started being another club bar Celtic? Because you don't know if you're just looking at kind of romanticised, but like for the early days, Celtic have always let women in for feet of football, like up to, I think it's about up to 19, 12, 13. But they kind of encouraged females to go to the games when it was the, and it was a wee bit more frowned upon it. And then I think we have a lot of mammy. It's, it's not just her dads that took them to the games. It's her mas, grannies, took, taught them songs and different stuff like that. You know what I mean? So do you think it could have kicked off a, any other club with just with any other kind of politics to an extent? Or do you think it, it was something to do with kind of Celtic's ethos that shaped Jews to make you kind of go into that? Aye, I think um, that was one of the army and kind of driving points when we went to speak to the club um, that day was, not only the fact that it, it wouldn't cost them very much and they would be the first people to do it and stuff, but driving it back to the reason that, that Celtics come about was to help poverty and, you know, it was built on poverty and the fact that our argument was that this was built on the, the club's ethos. If they refused to, to do this and to give back to their community and give back to their fans, then they would be going back on, you know, what they were built on. And I, I take it, as you are mentioning there about you know, they seem to have been all kind of positives. You know, the club being the first club to to run with this. You know, the ethos of the club and and all that kind of stuff. How how did they receive it in the, the kind of like early uh, talks with them, or the when you first kind of went to them with it? Was it well received as you, as you would expect or whatever? I think um, I definitely was. To be honest, like I remember the day. We had met up so many times before going and we had like fully researched everything. Like looking back on that, I'm actually like so impressed with actually how much effort we put in. Like we were literally phoning around, like we looked at who Celtic had their products with, like the machines in the bathroom. We phoned up the companies and said, Can you change this machine to like a free vend machine? We looked into costs that were in schools, we looked into roughly how much products would be used a whole like proposal basically so we were fully like researched really going into that that meeting but I remember I was like kind of being there and being so nervous about it and thinking like what's this going to be like and actually when we went in it was mad because like we had to obviously take the wee, wee picture and all that and we had the wee badges on we were just thinking oh my god this is mad being in this bit of the, the stadium and then in the wee kind of fancy room waiting and them coming in and stuff it was just all a bit surreal I think like at first um but then see after like a couple of minutes it was actually like so relaxed I think Tony what you said earlier like the two guys obviously in the meeting it was J.P. Taylor and um Michael Nicholson so the two of them were kind of mentioning obviously wife, daughters, whoever and talking about like it's just nothing they had really considered so I think like when we got speaking about things it just all felt dead natural and actually we were getting a bit of a laugh and it was I think for them it was probably a different meeting because I think maybe they thought like is this the three of us coming to them with this like pure serious like fierce strong feminist issue that they were going to we were going to like be pure hammering them on kind of thing so I think probably the two years 
had different expectations of that meeting and the way it actually like unfolded was was nothing really like that and it was actually a, a good laugh and we were telling them we were going to bump the molten brown, brown soap on the way out and that like it, <laughs> it was actually good looking back it was definitely well received probably seen the, probably seen before these come in that he's all had season books in the standing section and thought these three are going to be a nightmare again <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, but do, see, just to touch back on, as you covered, about the social media stuff, like, I can remember when it was back in the early days, it was a lot of pure, as you'd expect, the pure usual responses. And you obviously, you were saying about using your own personal accounts and stuff, I take it. Like that was an absolute nightmare. You know, all the, all the obviously a pure male, a predominantly male support. Um, not just, you know, our own support, but all the kind of responses that you were getting um, when it was like growing about attraction and stuff like that. How was how was that? Obviously, and obviously going straight into your own social media accounts and stuff couldn't have been easy. I it was intense at times, to be honest, and I, I think I think we maybe all felt this way, but because it was just a Celtic thing at first, kind of had these like green t- tinted specks on, and you think that. I don't know, well, I thought this anyway, that oh, well, we're, all, we're all singing for the same hymn sheet, really. We're all kind of good guys or support and everybody will be into it, but we were wrong. <laughs> I mean, the, major- <laughs> the majority were pretty supportive, and but there was people that were very vocally in opposition to it, and not just men, like women as well. There was women who weren't buying into it at all, and um, some of it was just, like, archaic. Like, there was guys saying, uh, you should be grateful you've got toilets, like the football uh, and then on another um, incident we were getting slated because our names were too Irish like it was just absolutely bonkers and um, it's hard because it was just your own accounts and whereas now if we were getting any aggro it's like behind the on the ball logo and it's like all three years kind of together hiding behind that but I, it was intense and frustrating because for us it just felt like a common sense idea and it, it didn't really feel as radical to us as it seemed to other people. So we were just like, why are people not getting this? Because it just seemed like the most common sense thing. It's such a low cost for like a couple at Celtic. So they were just pure rattled by it at times. I think it's I think it's bad enough the three females doing something like that, but three working class females who are no walking about they're no you, the way you were talking online, it wasn't a pure pretentious thing, and it wasn't coming from a pure radicalised feminist point of view, and where people could try to shut you through. These were just, just, just normal asses who saw something that was fucking badly wrong, it needed, it needed sorted, you know what I mean? So I think the fact that these are just normal people, that I think that would have put a lot of people's, put them out of place a wee bit, you know what I mean? Just who, who the fuck do they think they are? Mm. And I think, I think everybody I think everybody knows the social media it's full of trolls and people just saying different stuff like that. But being working class and being female, then I suppose we're going to get a double barrel. I that that what you were saying about us like being normal, like quote unquote hate today, that Neil Lennon thingy like like the mad sort of put the smuts put the in. <laughs> um, but that's something we kind of tried to really drum home for the start because the people we wanted to help were normal people like us who were fans of other teams and we kind of felt that a lot of the chat around period poverty despite it being an issue that affects predominantly working class women 
a lot of the work being done was being done by people that were really privileged and in turn a lot of that work and a lot of the language around it was becoming really inaccessible for people and quite alienating so for us it was quite important that for the very beginning for the first kick of the ball if I'm going to use a pun we were just like as just spoke as normally and just as easily and simply as possible because a lot of the language around it was just becoming quite alienating to the people that was actually meant to help so I'm glad that it came across like to you and like hopefully to others that we were just like the normal lassies like MDLs. Uh, do you know what I think that's pure typical of the left yeah. especially, in, especially in Scotland no I mean they try to communicate they try to talk about the working class people and all that and they're fucking bombarding people with different philosophers and different stuff like that you know, just talk to people on, on a fucking level would they to explain your ideas, how simple it is, and then let them go away. You know what I mean? And I think with the vast majority of people in Glasgow, good folk. You know what I mean? You don't have to start as well bamboozling with ideas and different fucking theories and stuff like that. I think some people kind of looked at us as if we were kind of like these, like Ern said, we are just kind of, and you mentioned normal people, and people kind of thought we had this sense of entitability about us that, you know, they were comparing it to them asking for free razors and free beer and all that type of stuff. So the fact that they were even making them comparisons, that they think that we were just wanting these things for ourselves and the kind of just for the sake of it, on the same level as you know, razors for men, free beer. I think people were talking about free burgers and all that at one point. And I we were like trying to see, <laughs> see trying to make the connection, but of how different these things are. And we kept them back to you know, nobody carries a black of soap in their back, back pocket or a roll of toilet roll when they go out. So see, trying to make that link that this, this thing is as basic as toilet roll and soap. It's not, we're not entitled to it. It's not something that's, you know, a, a product that, that makes us all better and, you know, gives us a nice beard or whatever else. It's something simple and trying to make like people understand that. And I think to be fair, when we did explain it to some people and we did just say like, listen, this is how basic this stuff is. There were some people that changed their mind, but social media is social media and people will always take and make what they want from what you say. So you can't keep everybody happy, but uh, no, <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Do you, do, you think it's, do you think it's changed a lot of people's minds? Jeff, I think you certainly did, especially the kind of demographic that this podcast's going to get to. If it's, I, I don't know, maybe 18-year-olds to maybe 40-year-old males in Glasgow vast majority and then I like think a lot of us not, everything's kind of fair game for a laugh you know what I mean you, you don't take things too serious and it's no yeah. particular politically correct but you know where the line is and different stuff like that but when all I basically broke it down saying you shouldn't walk about with a toilet roll in your pocket you shouldn't walk about a bar of soap in your pocket I think the majority of people will turn and go it's so fucking simple what the lasses are saying is just right I definitely, and I think um, one of the things you said, Tony, about just how we kind of spoke and what how we got our message and our points across, we just it was just normal, and I think like we kind of stuck it, stood our ground a wee bit actually on that because we had quite a few people that kind of approached us through whatever means and said, "Listen, could you start maybe referring to it as using this terminology or using this, saying this and." kind of trying to change that a wee bit and for us that didn't sit right like we knew going to the football we knew who we were speaking to we knew how we spoke and using certain language or like one of the terms kind of menstrual equity and I know that I get the importance behind 
behind that but at the same time that's not a normal way for us to kind of speak it's not how we speak it's not like something that people understand so to start going about changing actually all we're asking for is period products at the game it was that kind of simple way and using the stuff that Orla said so I think just standing our ground on that wee bit and saying no it doesn't like suit us to start changing our language and start talking differently like we would have tied ourselves in knots and I think that definitely helped us like we just stuck to our space which was football and stuck to our kind of way we spoke and what messaging points and things we wanted to get done. So just sort of away for the social media side of things um, I know you've obviously faced a lot more kind of challenges I'm just kind of thinking maybe people try to involve themselves or you know make money off it or different things like that and obviously a few stories about your own experiences and, and going to all the different clubs and stuff he's went to kind of come in with tell us about some of that sort of stuff I the the one kind of standout one in terms of people coming in and trying to, I guess, commercialise the issue uh, was Paddy Power um, came to us with a sort of idea about, I can't even remember what the idea was, but basically it, they were wanting to like, kind of mobilise what was grassroots work to profit off it, basically. And um, our main issue with that was just obviously that, first of all, was like a movement that we were sort of building to support working class people that just felt sort of inherently wrong to get involved with like a gambling company in the first instance and um, it was just a bit of a sickener for us that it wasn't the only time that people would come in and try and be like sort of marketing opportunities or um, wanting to collaborate and it was something we've seen quite a lot in terms of um, I mean when we worked with fans to get their own respective clubs on board we could only take them so far and then it was in the club's hands in terms of um, who then provided the products and there was a few clubs that went down a route of you know partnerships with like big sort of period product brands and stuff like that and again that was just I feel like a bit of a kick in the stomach to us as well just because again it comes back to profiting off what is you know a problem not <laughs> not a marketing opportunity so there was a few wee things wasn't there like that just didn't really sit right with us in terms of just mm. trying to commercialise it yeah, I think as well, like, when that, that happens at clubs, like, the fans often get overlooked. So you had, like, a fan who had been emailing, pushing that change forward, like, doing a bit of the work, and then actually get absolutely no recognition in the communication because some of these brands have got, obviously, they, they do good work, um, and they've got kind of, like, unique selling points for, for them that they obviously want to get out there about their own brand, but at the same time, to us it was just a simple change and actually it was fan led and it was an opportunity for more for us for clubs to show that actually they were listening to their fans so it was disappointing sometimes to see that it just kept getting lost and and they just took it as a more kind of marketing opportunity like that, that did happen mm. quite a bit and we had to push in the emails that we were sending to kind of try and persuade people not really to go down that route and even simple things like when they're putting signs up in like the bathrooms to say the products are there just use the club logo like use on the ball logo if you want but there's no need really for it to be like a big advertising opportunity for a brand it just for us it was just a simple thing for your fans and to show that you're listening to fans and working with them rather than actually like a, a brand collaboration opportunity type of thing you would imagine Sorry, or like imagine like the, no, I'm gonna go. 
the, the type, like the way sort of clubs and stuff are run now, you know, obviously Celtic and that, but there'll be a lot of, a lot of other clubs that would only get involved for that reason alone, you know, if they could like commercialise it and then make do off it at the end of the day. Uh, there was a couple of clubs, um, Scottish clubs, I think, actually, that, that did do it that way, that kind of sidetracked um, the, the campaign funds. as such. And no, no, they, not them. They actually, well, they're, they're another story. I think they got persuaded by a, a BBC documentary it came about. <laughs> but um, there was other clubs that came about that kind of totally sidetracked and then turned it into a whole, you know, marketing opportunity had women and main players on the pitch with big signs from who was providing the product. But our point was as well, you know, you don't get a big Andrex puppy running about the pitch if that's what kind of toilet roll they're going to use, do you know what I mean? So it just was totally bizarre that they were kind of turning it into something that it really wasn't. When he's going to tell us a story about the period panda. We don't know if I think I just... I don't know if this is... Going to get us in trouble. <laughs> I think basically just kind of through time, there was just like so many kind of. I think a lot of people seen it as a real opportunity. Obviously, it was like really getting a lot of traction. It was getting a lot of media attention. I think a lot of people just almost kind of were a wee bit ignorant, I suppose, maybe about actually like how much saying, like how much work we were doing, and we just like kind of come to us and say oh we've got this idea we've kind of put it in motion we've got the guys doing this and doing that and actually had already like started doing a lot of work and then we ended up having to do like quite a lot of firefighting over the last two years to be like listen that's like not at all like what we're after like there was ideas for having like mascots like you said obviously the, the period panda was one of them and to us that's just it just didn't sit right it wasn't at all the kind of route we wanted to go down um and there was like loads of things like creating different tote bags and creating like different stuff that we just thought, no, nah, it's just it's not what we're after. But I, I, I don't know how the period panda would have got rid of going down. Where, where people were wanting to actually send out like information packs and stuff to people. And our point was like, that's not our battle to, to fight. Who are we, you know, that aren't experts on periods or period poverty you know we've done our bit to, 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 to support to, to support it but we weren't saying you know from the beginning we were saying you know we're not experts we don't know everything that's going on here but we just want to do our bit mm-hmm. to raise awareness for it and the fact that they were wanting to you know put our name behind things and send out information and like the girls were saying about you know all this different jargon in it and you know, who are we to tell people that this is what should happen and this is what shouldn't happen and this is what you should do? Because I think a lot of stuff came about about the type of products you were even using. And we were just dead simple that provide the products. They're there. They're not, they don't need to be there for, you know, long-term use. They're there in case somebody runs short. The majority of people have their own with them anyway, but it's just in case they need them. So there didn't need to be a whole lot of confusion. And like Michaela said, people had put stuff into motion and, Going back to Parry Par, they'd set up a whole kind of working group and a WhatsApp and all that. I think thinking, oh, we're giving these girls a great opportunity. Whereas yeah. we were kind of like, well, actually, we're doing this in our own time. We do this totally non-profit. It's, it's, it's just us doing something that we believe in. It's not something we're wanting yeah. to make a business of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nuts. See, as well, I think about a lot of the opportunities in terms of like, 
um, bringing the, the panda out <laughs> to throw tampons about or um, even the paddy power stuff, like all this commercialisation, like see if people get caught short or if they can't afford like period products, like they don't want a big song and dance about it, like they just want a tampon, like they don't want like a big fuss made over the fact that they've been caught short or that they've, they've been running a bit short that month, like they just want to, for example what we're talking about the football, like if I get caught short of the football, I'll let end up doing the stair, get myself sorted and back up the stair and know I've missed much. Like, I don't want to get in there's like a panda there, like throwing stuff about her. I don't want, you know, to get in there and it's like all these adverts around the the free vend machine and it's like a big sort of glamorisation of it all because I get in there and I use the soap and it's not a big song and dance. So it's just about keeping... We say that the establishment asks are so simple and we just... As Michaela said, to firefight so much to keep them simple and not to be overcomplicated or like over commercialised and just keep it as grassroots as possible. It was just it was uh, some ask at times. I think one of the other things on that as well is probably about like other people knowing their place a wee bit as well. So like for us, we stuck to football. Like we didn't like try and like kind of step in anybody else's toes. We just wanted to do what we were doing. But I think as well, a lot of people like seen. I think at one point that like, somebody kind of wanted to do like a huge survey of all the fans at Celtic Park and, and the way that was kind of dealt with it was, it was a bit of a nightmare for us like it was directing like our SLO get, getting in touch with us and saying oh are you aware of these plans and is this you guys that's doing this and there were so many people that just kind of skipped us out a wee bit and actually started going to other people and they would eventually come back to us because throughout the, the two years we had created like good relationships with like all different folk who were wise to that sort of stuff like so they would continually come back to us and say oh like kind of I did feel there was just a huge amount of kind of firefight and I think a lot of people had good ideas and wanted to kind of promote themselves or their work off the back of kind of yours and I take it Sort of just kind of moving on for that. I take it as you were mentioning about your dealings with, you know, other clubs being maybe or the majority of it being sort of through social media and through emails and different things like that. But you would obviously had um, some, you know, face to face dealings. Did that mean what far travel down south or any of the, the sort of other clubs that jumped on board with you having to go down to the aim or, or anything like that? No, not really, uh, because a lot of the time we were, our kind of decision was that we would, we would equip fans of like any respective team to like take the case to their club and do what we did. So like as Celtic fans, we didn't feel that we had a mandate to email, say, Everton, say, here's what you should be doing. So we would sort of, the way it would work, using Everton for an example, an Everton fan would sort of email us or messages on Twitter and say, I want to get my club on board. We would send them some like resources and sort of, I guess, support them through that process. Um, and then it would really be them that done all the communications with their own club. It was really there that we were in direct communication with any of the clubs, unless it was a member of their staff that contacted us first, which was the minority. So um, a lot of it was just remote, although the one kind of... We did get to go down to Goodison Park for um, Everton played Crystal Palace. Um, I can't even remember when it was now, just the full concept of time with this pandemic's just gone to pop. But... Um, they, we Everton done it is they done it in partnership with our Everton in the community. So they invited us down to see their like sort of community hub and um, they'll go and watch the game and like 
spend the day there, which was class. And it was good because it wasn't like business or anything. Like, wasn't he doing there to chat like the campaign or stuff? It was just in there to have a wee nosy and it was good to see the work that was being done there. Is he just, as you, you said, they're learning about kind of pushing like, fans at other clubs to, to get involved and kind of do the work? Did you find any like, supporters try and set up their own sort of mob like you, you said on the ball? But when you were going to them, did they actually set up their own kind of group or anything like that? Was it just individuals getting in touch? It was mostly individuals, but there was a lot of times where um, like maybe one individual would get in touch with, but they were there on behalf of like a supporters trust or a sort of a supporters group or a supporters club or something similar to that. There was a there was a few instances of that, to be honest. Um, worth as well, a lot of the fans that got in touch with to sort of enact that change of their own club were male as well, which sort of seems to surprise a lot of people. Um, and a lot, the majority of our followers on um, the social medias and stuff are male as well. So I think that was quite a noted change like throughout it as well as it became more of a norm. There was more guys quite willing to stick their name to it as well, which was good. And we had set some um, fans up as well, hadn't we? Like kind of put them in touch with each other and said, actually, I can't really remember what club exactly, but say it was St Mirren. We would say, oh, actually we've got two other St Mirren fans that are kind of turning away in the background here on this so is it all right to share your details with them and we'd put them all in touch and kind of leave it to them and then kind of just support them rather than us kind of leading on it. it I think that for us was just a pure good example because as much as this was just on the one single issue of period products but for us we thought this is just a good opportunity for more fans to start going to their clubs and asking really for whatever they want it doesn't need to be be this it can be anything that you any idea that fans have got so, Michaela, you sort of touched on there about it being a big success was how you were able to, you know, give other supporters or other fans the tools to, you know, go to the club with, with what you had sort of started and uh, obviously just the success in general, the, the whole movement that you set up. But what would you kind of say like other kind of highlights or other successes have been? Uh, now that you're finishing up with it, I, I definitely think that's been one of the, the the biggest like successes we've had is really just empowering other fans to go to their clubs. And I think for us, we obviously were so inspired by a lot of other people and a lot of other work. So the Fat Campaign, you've got Jackie who does like girl fans and produces the zines and different loads of different work going like visibility of female fans so loads of people like that inspired us and really like followed and supported us along the way so for us I think that's definitely the biggest thing like you've now got 113 clubs providing period products and we've been able to just empower so many other fans to actually like go and make that same change um, and that was definitely one of the biggest but there's been there's been so many things I think we've done that looking back it, is, it has been amazing and I'm so proud of like everything we've done. It, it, it is good. Um, Do you see when you're talking about the the people putting forward like the, the offensive behaviour act? You, well, you just actually changed the law yourselves, didn't you? Well, no, you personally. But it was actually your work that kind of kick-started the momentum, I would say, for the period product bill we actually put through and then passed through that. Well, what, what was the kind of what 
part of the juice kind of play in that? Do you think yourselves? Or could you just fucking tell people about it? I, it's sort of like the way, the reason that we were able to talk about the idea of free period products at Celtic Park in the pub after watching the final debate at Holyrood for the Repeal Act was just because we'd seen an action that fans like us were able to enact change. And at the time, you're like, wow, like that was just football fans who've repealed legislation, which was the first time it's obviously ever happened in Scotland. And at that time, you're kind of thinking, well, they changed law and our asks pale quite sort of insignificant and compared to that. <laughs> pale quite insignificant compared to that. So um, at that time, you're just thinking we want Celtic to give free tampons. We didn't realise that a few years down the line, we would actually sort of be involved in the process of calling for a change in legislation ourselves. So um, I, as I said at the start, the idea kind of came off the back of kind of chat in the Scottish Parliament about a period products bill, but it still kind of felt quite far away in the future. Um, but as it kind of built it, it, it kind of picked up momentum. We kind of threw ourselves right behind it in terms of you know calling for support online and um, sharing like petitions and sharing like there was an email campaign and stuff like that. We just threw everything we could behind it and um, we were actually we went and we gave evidence at the committee for the final stage two. I think of the bill it was. Um, when the committee were gathering evidence on whether it should be passed and went on to stage three. So um, we played quite a big role in that and that's quite a big thing to get asked to the Parliament to talk about something and it certainly wasn't something we ever expected. And I remember being on that committee and one of the sitting to the MSPs saying, I will, this this bill's not about, you know, private places like football grounds. This place, this bill's about public places and sort of questioning my right to be there almost. And it just kind of, it had to be nerve because it just comes back to that sort of way of thinking where, you know, football fans aren't really deserving a place at the table that we've seen so often. Um, so I, it kind of comes back to the idea of constantly firefighting, but to be honest, we've flung everything behind the cause and as much as it didn't impact football grounds like we've been fighting for, we just felt it was part of the sort of bigger, wider aim of what was going on. So it played a part in that way. I think the fact that you were even invited along kind of shows how unique our audience was, I suppose, because there are so many other people out there that are, you know, raising awareness and doing their own thing for period poverty and creating their own campaigns. But we, I know that I can speak for the three of us and say that we know that we were unique in our audience and we were able to get it out to a whole different audience, especially with it being a social media campaign. Linking that in with football grounds and football, it just draws so many more people in that you know, the normal, not normal, but the, the other campaigners were doing, you know, they were very much all about, you know, and, and so were we about women empowerment and, you know, about focusing on people that had periods. But the fact that we were able to draw in such a different crowd, at like Michaela or Aaron said, you know, most of our followers were men. Most of our reach were going to be men. Nearly everybody that we dealt with from clubs were all men. And without that, I think, without being able to pull all that back into it, I do think that that gave us, you know, got a lot more people behind the bill that probably wouldn't even have known it was happening and if that if we hadn't raised that kind of platform. I think as well, like, probably a, a bit to cover on that is I think we found ourselves in quite a strong, unique position where we we obviously didn't get any funding. We, we weren't linked up to any particular 
political party, so to us, like, we actually had quite a good position where when initially this this bill was obviously, it was being opposed at, at one point. So we, we, we had a meeting specifically about that and we decided that we were kind of going to put our stall out a bit on it because to us it felt like there was a lot of people who probably maybe had more closer political allegiances. There was maybe people who didn't want to speak out and for us we felt actually we, we were in a position to do that. We could go out and kind of put our stall right out and say it's ridiculous this is being opposed and the evidence that had been given actually like to not support the bill was weak and there was some parts of it like we called out specifically and that itself kind of got some headlines and I feel that was a really really pivotal moment and actually that bill moving forward and I think you need people who are going to put their stall out a bit they're going to take a stance at that time and you need to stand up and be counted at moments like that it's all fair and well like after when it is kind of it's it's made its way through and you can celebrate that and you can all celebrate each other's successes and be dead united on it all and that's great but see at those moments I just think we had a really good opportunity actually by the way we were set up we didn't really have much to lose and putting our stall out and saying this is ridiculous and gathering some attention to the fact that that was actually the case I think a lot of people were really shocked and one of the other people at that point who did kind of they done a lot of work with the kind of SMP students group um, they, they were the other ones that kind of put out like a mailing list and stuff like that, is that right? Like, um, But I, I think that was a really pivotal moment and um, some of that for us, for me I think it was kind of one of our strongest points and, and it was quite awkward because we had obviously some of the people that that I suppose criticism was aimed at as people that had been supportive of us in the past as well so it, it, it's quite difficult I think to actually like go out and and do that but we found ourselves in a good position I think when you've got the opportunities you need to take them and just kind of put your neck in the line a wee bit and I think it showed that that the first kind of I don't know if it was the the first um part of the bill or the second part going through the fact that it was quite you know, funny that the SNP students were so strong behind it because I think it was the SNP that opposed it at first by saying that um, there would be cross-country tampon raids. That was one of their reasons yeah. that, the, that, that the, they opposed it to say, oh, people are going to come across the border and steal tampons. Whereas, you know, a younger group, I suppose more, in my opinion, the younger generation, you know, we're, we're all moving on, you know, social everything's changing and everybody's more open to things. It's the fact that they were able to get behind it but the more kind of based politicians within the party were trying to be opposed to it because they were afraid of people driving across the border just to get a couple of bucks yeah. of tampons. So just to kind of maybe even wrap up for there, just asking you, you know, over the, the three years and he's are finishing up now, is there anybody that you would like to kind of specifically thank or, you know, as you were mentioning, there are other groups and other people and these had worked alongside and different things like them. These you'd like to just as we finish up now. Um, I so I, I suppose it's important for us to to thank all the fans that helped us get here and get the 113 clubs on board. Because without them, 
bring us to their clubs, then we wouldn't have seen the successes that we had. And a lot of the other people that have supported us throughout, you know, the the likes of Jackie at Girlfriends that Michaela talked about earlier, um, and some of the, the the people in the communities that we've been able to kind of make relationship with, make, <laughs> have relationship with through the campaign, um, especially all the all the youthy wains and um, all the staff at Royston Youth Action, they've been magic with us. Um, I don't know if Michaela and Erin have anyone else. I think just following on through what you said, like obviously just a huge thanks to absolutely all of them and um, the smaller clubs, like you said, like St Rocks and Anthony's, like p- people there have been just unreal and um, I think you've got people that just throughout the whole time have kind of gave us good counsel, like Jeanette um, Wiggy, they obviously FAC have been a huge inspiration and helped along the way as well and um, a lot of the guys at the kind of football collective as well, we've met a lot of good people through there like kind of Paddy, Jess, different mm. people that have really supported us I think just as a whole it shows you just how magic obviously football and supporters can be and just that unity and supporting each other and getting to work has it, just been magic so for me I think that's kind of the biggie but we've just had so much support for so many people that you could never na- name them all but it definitely hasn't gone unnoticed so I Aye, definitely think not a lot me. of the, the good guys there haven't we and the guys at fan support and food banks as well are, are a big favourite they've been absolutely amazing <laughs> and the work they do is just absolutely unreal and, and so inspiring hopefully get to get down and meet them and see them again after all this Covid is over and you've given us the opportunity to come on and talk, obviously, and kind of wrap things up and have a wee reminiscing session. Because you do forget a lot of the stuff over the time. You just kind of be on autopilot. But being able to come on and kind of chat through it, it's good. I it kind Sad of... Sad ending. Hi, <laughs> it feels like now that we're kind of wrapping things up and over the past few months and I've not really been active in terms of the campaign, it's only really now that you've got a chance to sit still that you realise everything that we've done and it kind of feels like because you have been on autopilot like Orla said like you kind of almost think it's somebody else that's done all this stuff and then because when a club's announced before like we were already working on the next one it just kind of felt like everything was happening so quickly but now I guess that's one of the sort of silver linings of being stuck in the house these past while because you've just got so much time to actually process everything that we've done so uh, it's mad and just echo the thanks to Orla and Michaela for all our remates that we've made there. And you guys for feeling absolutely all right about talking about periods for two hours. <laughs> I'm just there. I mean, this Zoom things went a success. I'm still trying to work it out. I we want to know who's up next. Yeah, uh, what you have done has been absolutely brilliant. Obviously, the, the period stuff, it's no me and Kevin's fucking ball, no pun intended. But it's no place to. It was basically just letting you come on and see what he's wanted to say because there's, there's fuck all we can tell you about it. This, this, this is something that you days females, the hash use of it all the time. Know what I mean? So hopefully anybody that's listening, that's maybe fucking make them think a wee bit more about it. I know, know what I mean? And realise that there's something. Sometimes there's things that's staring you right in the face. It's an issue that you don't even know about. Know what I mean? And so what's next for you anyway? What, what next problems are you solving? Getting back to football, getting Celtic winning again. <laughs> getting oh, fan ownership. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> fan ownership, oh, just, getting behind Celtic shirt. 
Well, just as you're talking about that, I think there's a, there's I thought Kev's right. Kev's he's the man. He's talking about maybe getting the boys on for the the sale itself to say it. So that's as good a as any for the next one, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Aye, no, definitely, mate. We've been obviously a bit of uh, the absence for um, the episodes and stuff, but we're hoping you's actually use have gave us a kind of boot up the ass to get the <laughs> get recording again and uh, plenty of there has not been much. Or not nothing been worthwhile about talking about on the park, but there's been a load of stuff happening off the park. So no, hopefully not be too long eh, before we're back with everybody on with some different episodes of Celtic shared stuff um being mentioned here. Time we get back on, Kev, with a one another fucking treble under the radio house. No, just big thanks to Freeze for taking the time to speak with and just all credit to you for what he's have achieved over the last few years and uh, Tony hopefully we'll be back with everybody shortly definitely mate I'll see you in another six months or something Mucker. <laughs> <laughs> right. cheers guys right. thanks again guys cheers